Hi, this is Jeff, and this is episode four of the Subarachnoid Survivor. In the previous episodes, we've talked about the actual occurrence, the event. We've talked about uh, my somewhat madcap trip, uh, particularly amongst the people who were racing down to be with me to the hospital in Toronto. And we've talked about a few of the initial occurrences that I have some faint memories of once I was in the ICU. Obviously, as I've indicated in those earlier conversations, I don't have a lot of memory of what was going on at that time. But as the days in the ICU began to go on, I got more and more time as as a conscious person and began to really have a sense that uh, this had been highly dangerous, but somewhat hopeful that perhaps I would make it out the other side. And this is where I want to start the conversation today is to talk about some of the first thoughts that I had as I began to think somewhat rationally and, and to see the first few guests, loved ones and family members and a few key friends. The first one that came to me was this idea of being careful what you wish for. And what I mean by that is um, I shared with a few people this idea that in heading up to the cottage, I had been very excited about wanting to spend some really quality time with family members. Uh, you know, sit down for an hour over a coffee or a gin and tonic and, and really reconnect this idea of, of quiet one-to-one conversation. And the point that I made in, in telling people this while I was in the hospital was that, look at this, I was getting my wish. And what it occurred to me, what it brought forth for me was this idea that what if I'd wished for something else? What if I had a job that I really hated, which fortunately I don't, and my wish had been to get away from it all, to really slow down and not feel worried and not talk to anybody? You know, that might have resulted in a very different wish fulfillment. I, you know... I don't know to what degree those sorts of thoughts actually guide one's recovery or, frankly, one's response to an injury like mine, but it certainly crossed my mind that you want to be careful what you wish for and to what degree does thinking about something actually make it possibly true. The second thing that became very clear to me, particularly as I caught the tenor of the people that were around me. The neuro ICU at St. Mike's is one of the best neurological wards perhaps in the world, but certainly one of the best in Canada. And it was clear that there were many people around me who were nowhere near as fortunate as I was. And I began to have some of that, you know, a bit of that survivor guilt on, you know, what made me deserve this? What, what made me worthy of that? And it wasn't until after I had been uh, discharged, uh, well over a week later, that a very dear friend of mine I've known since university, his name is John, uh, said to me, you know, Jeff, he said, I'm going to quote to you from John and Paul. And given that John is a man of faith, I thought he was going to talk to me about the apostles. (laughs) And he said, no, I'm going to talk to you about the Beatles. He said, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And the outpouring of love that I received awes me to this day. 
I'm not sure what it is that I have done in my life to merit that. But John and others have simply said that while I may not see it, I have done the sorts of things that have made me very fortunate to get back that kind of love. And that's pretty powerful. And I feel deeply honored to have that response. And I'm convinced that that has played a critical role in my recovery and my rate of, of recovery. And to help me avoid what many brain injury survivors face in terms of depression and, and other struggles. So I appreciate that fact. But it doesn't diminish one of the other insights, and that is that there are lots of really great people who suffer all sorts of trauma, both physical, mental, and otherwise, and those great people don't necessarily have the same support network, the same love, the same great family and friends that I do. So part of my learning from this is that I want to do something, I don't know what yet, towards helping those people. I had family members who were coming in, and, and Pam, my girlfriend, who was coming in, and part of my pain management was massages. They felt amazing, and they really helped with what was quite severe pain. But, you know, unless you've got somebody who cares for you that way and is comfortable touching you and, and giving you a massage, no one else is going to give it to you. The ICU nurses aren't because they're too darn busy. So what about those people? And I'll talk more in a later episode about some of the conversations I had with people, particularly when I was in the regular ward, about the challenges they were going to face as they went back to their, their lives and how they were going to manage that. But I guess as I wrap up this episode, my musings around what are you wish for in life and how that manifests itself have really been something I've thought about. And then thinking deeply about this power of being a certain way in the world, of, of loving other people, putting that out there freely, and not with any expectation of return, but in my case, certainly an overwhelming response and what seems to me like a a 10 to 1 ratio of people who have been loving and supportive and caring. So those would be two of the first musings as I, you know, spend the first few days in the ICU and begin my path towards recovery. I will start episode 6 in a few moments and talk about some of the physical issues that also arose. Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying it.